This is Creative Escape Podcast, a place where we talk about leisure, creativity, and everything in between. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and we hope you enjoy. On this episode, we had the honor to interview Dr. Cindy Burnett. She is the Director of Possibilities at Creativity and Education, a team of experts that help teachers and educators of all levels to infuse creativity in their curriculum. We talk about cognitive creativity, learning to be curious, and much more. Hi, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? We're great. Thanks for asking. Um, so we're really excited to have you here um, on our podcast because you're an expert on creativity and the science of creativity and everything that has to do with the study of it. So first of all, we want to ask you, how did you discover that creativity was something crucial that you wanted to dedicate your professional life to? Hmm, that's a great question. So when I was about 23 years old, I was a professional actress And I toured the United States with a Broadway show mm -hmm. and I loved theater and I came off of the tour and I said, I don't think I want to do theater anymore. I don't think I want to act anymore. And someone said to me, what do you want to learn about? And I said, I wanted to learn about creativity. And the reason I said I wanted to learn about creativity was because I was really interested in how creativity can help us in supporting our ideas in living a creative life, in living a life that has possibilities and in sharing with others the passions and gifts that we have in unique ways. Yeah, okay. And so that's when you decided that you wanted to like study creativity yeah, for, that, as a profession. That mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so cool. And how does your research in the study of creativity work? Do you have a certain procedure or use data of sorts? So I come at research from a, a more qualitative perspective. A qualitative perspective looks at stories and words versus numbers. So one of the things that I do in my research is I interview teachers. So I work mostly with teachers and educators um, in the field of creativity and I like to see what their stories are. And then I take their stories and then I turn them into theories and models to help us move the, the field forward. So I don't spend mm -hmm. a lot of time with numbers. I was never a numbers gal. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoy the stories and the quality of answers that people give me and, and uncovering things based on people's responses. Yeah, so you like do a more personalized approach to creativity, like to education. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And do you have mentioned that you consider yourself an idea doula because you help bring creative ideas to life? Does mm -hmm. it, it, this means that you work with people to help them develop and broaden their knowledge. What is your process when working as an idea doula? So I love that you picked up that I said that, and I do mm -hmm. consider myself and I actually have a mug that a student once gave me that says idea doula. And the reason why I think of myself as an idea doula is because I often work with people who say, I have this idea. And I go, okay, tell me more about it. 
And then they tell me about it and they say, okay, go. And I typically say date the idea, like go and spend some time with the idea, take the idea for coffee, have dinner with the idea, (laughs) you know, have lots of conversations, introduce your idea to your family and friends, you know, and, and then it comes into the, I want to be more serious with this idea. And how do you, how do you become more serious and how do you become more dedicated to this idea? And then how do you really marry the idea? So how do you really take this idea and bring it to life? And how do you um, move it forward? So I typically just coach people on, you know, really looking at all the different aspects of their ideas in order to help them successfully build their idea into something that is like an innovation. Mm -hmm. So would you say you're more like a, you work with entrepreneurs, but at the same time, educators, or like you balance both of these professions to bring their ideas to life? I mostly work with educators. So my passion is education. And now in this stage of my career, um, when I used to teach at the college with, with Sue, um, I used to work with all different types of students from all different backgrounds, but now I solely work with educators. But even an educator will come to me and say, I want to bring creativity into this. How can I bring it in with five-year-olds? And I have Mm -hmm. this amount of time and how do I actually make that happen? And I work with them to help make that happen. And we also want to ask you, is creativity a teachable skill and why? Absolutely. I think it's, it's part nature and part nurture. So if you think of yourselves when you were little, little ones, and, and you, do you have any little ones in your life? Any little sisters or brothers or cousins? No, she's my little sister, but. Oh, yeah. she is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when she was little, do you remember her sort of doing unusual things, maybe putting silly things on her head or putting <laughs> oranges and ketchup together or um, trying on, you know, d- their clothes different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about children when they're young, they're naturally creative. So there's this natural part of who we are that is creative. But then we look at, you know, as we start to get older and around, they say around fourth grade here, which is about 10 years old, that 10 years old, when you start worrying about your peers and you're worried about grades and how you look, then all of a sudden you're not as creative because you're worried Mm -hmm. about being sort of on your own with something, right? So you want to sort of conform and be like others and you want to fit in, which is a very natural part of our development as humans. And then we look at, as we get older and we get into the workplace, we need these skills, but there has to be some sort of intervention that teaches us those skills. So that's what I used to do at the college where I would work with students to teach them how to be more curious, to teach them how to come up with more ideas, to teach them to be more deliberate about their um, their judgment and being more open-minded. So when I see those things happening and I read the students' papers at the end of the class, I say, oh yeah, they have definitely become more open-minded and able to generate lots of ideas and they're kinder to themselves and they're able to embrace challenges more. And those are all aspects of being a creative person. So yes, it is a teachable skill. And something that just like a question that just came up, um, do you think that your class when you taught in college was Mm -hmm. like a therapeutic space for people to like touch like to um go back to their childhood selves and just become like this creative person I think that's for us we have talked in our podcast that um Mm -hmm. 
like creativity for us like that's why it's called creative escape because for us it's also a space where we can just relax and be like it's also like therapy so mm -hmm. would you say that your class was also like the, that space for your students well i think what you're talking about is really a lot that focuses on the expressive side of creativity mm -hmm. so if we express ourselves through painting or writing or you know i used to be a dancer um, is much different than sort of cognitive or thinking creativity or creative problem solving. So, and which which also can be a little bit therapeutic, but I think it happens much more so on the artistic side of creativity. And I certainly think that it can be an escape, but my classroom was not a place for students to necessarily escape. It was to help them think and empower them to think about the possibilities they had in their life. So was it therapy in that sense? I would say yes, because if you think about um, if you think about your age, right? You're, you're dealing with a lot of challenges. How do you deal with those challenges? You know, for a lot of people who haven't been taught how to think creatively or think with, you know, think in problem solving, they don't know how to get their way out of a challenge. So you're driving down the street and you get lost. So what do you do if your phone goes dead? Like, how do you problem solve that, right? Um, you're supposed to study for an exam and you have a soccer practice and you don't know how you balance all of that. Like you have to figure out how to problem solve early on. And, and that sort of helps us in dealing with the challenges that emerge on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's more like a life skill. Yes, it is exactly a life skill. I, that's really helpful, I think. I think that we should all learn those skills. <laughs> mm, me too. And what challenges do you think that the traditional education curriculum has to make in, in order to uh, foment creative abilities and innovative thinking? Sorry, is it challenges and it's changes? Changes, yeah. What changes? So I think the biggest change is we have all these standards that we expect students to meet and we expect students to um, answer one right answer and you know as we know from having cell phones and computers at our fingertips those one right answers really aren't going to help us solve the complexity the complex and uncertain challenges that we face in life. So I have a daughter, she's 11. She just finished her school exams. And, she, you know, when I was studying with her for exams, she was memorizing all this information, which quite frankly, you know, she's going to forget. I'm sure if, if you thought back to an 11th grade test you guys took, you probably forgot it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you forget the information. Um, she was searching for one right answer. There was only one right answer. And it didn't really use her brain to think independently and to think about other ways of looking at the content. So instead of, and I'll give you an opposite example of that. My son who is 13 has a teacher who made them, required them, I shouldn't say made, that sounds a little um, abrasive, <laughs> but who required them to generate a response to a situation in history. And they had to back up their response with critical thinking and creative thinking. So instead of just finding the one right answer, they had to actually explore and defend what their beliefs were. Same, so both in history, 
but totally two different approaches. So I think the biggest thing that we could do as educators is to find ways to allow for some of that. It doesn't all have to be that way, but allow for students to explore topics in different ways other than, you know, I'm going to stand up here and teach to you and you're going to memorize the information and we're going to call it a day. Yeah. So it's more like a critical thinking approach to education. Yeah. And I would say that definitely um, impacts us as uh, students because when you're forced to memorize dates or names, you never like you never um, end up memorizing it, and for like your whole life, it's never never like a big impact on you. So, right. yeah, I would say that critical thinking is a better way to approach education, and we feel it as students too. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we cultivate creative thinking on our own? What should we do, and what should we avoid? For example, should we avoid stress or, or, or on the contrary, put ourselves in these stressful situations to, <laughs> to like exercise our creative um, problem solving skills? What should we do? I think my biggest advice, and this is what I tell my students on the first day, is to monitor how you judge. So how do you judge yourself and how do you judge other people? So if you have an idea that comes up and you say, ah, I want to start a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I want to start this creative escape podcast. And your sister says to you, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> right. How does that make you feel? Bad. <laughs> Bad. Okay. So you go to your parents and you say to your parents, we want to, we want to create our own podcast. What do you think? And they go, no, you're too young to do that. Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel? Bad. You're like not capable of capable of things. Right. Now, that's what the world is trained to do is just to say, no, I don't like that idea. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we need to train the world to do now, imagine this, say, um, I'm your sister. I'm the third sister. I have two sisters (laughs) myself, by the way, I have two sisters and two brothers, but imagine, um, you're my sisters and you come to me and you say, um, Cindy, we would like to start our own podcast. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they go, wow, that sounds really interesting. What a great you know, what an interesting idea. Tell me more about that. And you say, well, I want to, you know, we're going to interview all these different people that talk about creativity. How does that make you feel? Much better, like validated or validated. um, Right. mm -hmm. Now, even if I didn't agree with you, even if I didn't say to you, that's a great idea. Right. Even if I just said, oh, tell me more. How would that make you feel? Yeah. Like you're interested in what I'm saying. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So, so often when it comes to ideas, and this goes back to sort of the idea doula, is we have these voices, okay? They could be voices in our heads. Those are the scariest ones, right? So you have this idea, I'm going to create a podcast and inside you go, no, you can't do that. You don't have the technology. Who are you going to interview? Who's going to want to interview? You know, you have these things in your head. You have to find ways not to turn them off because they are, they can be helpful, but to turn them down, Mm -hmm. right? So you turn these voices down to the whispering, like, are you sure you should do that? And you go, yes, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> you're going to find the te- the people that are going to do this with you. And you're going to go, I don't know. We'll start someplace, right? You have yeah. conversations with those inner voices that we all have. And then, you know, you go to your, your parents or your teachers and you start telling them about what you want to do and they listen. So they don't judge and they don't say yes, because, you know, what if you said, I want to do a creativity podcast and, I want to go into um, a, 
right now we are in the middle of the pandemic. I want to go into a space where the pandemic is, COVID is very high. The numbers are very high. It's going to be unsafe for us. You know, then we would say, well, how about we don't go someplace unsafe? Why don't we go someplace right in the neighborhood? Or why don't you do them on Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. So you sort of modify the idea. So you, it stays intact, but it is appropriate for, for the person. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Like you're not putting others down, but helping them find another path. That's right. Mm -hmm. And how can we support others on their creative journey? I think exactly what I was just talking about with mm -hmm. judgment is when you have friends that come to you and say, you know, I have this, you know, wild and crazy idea that even if you're just like, like my, and my kids do this a lot, they'll be like, mom, can we, and I'm like, oh gosh, no, you know, that's what I'm saying inside is like, no, please, I don't want to do that. And then I go, okay, well, tell me more about that. You know, and it's funny, I'll give you an example. My, we have a dog, we got a dog during this pandemic. And my son was like, I want to create, my dog loves chicken. And he says to me, he's 13. He says, mom, I want to create a parkour. Like I want to create an obstacle course for the dog. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, tell me more. And, you know, tell me more. Uh -huh. And he said, and I want to put chicken in every single obstacle. So <laughs> he runs for the chicken or he jumps over the, the couch and he gets a piece of chicken. And all I could think of was, I don't want old chicken in my basement. Like <laughs> that's going to be disgusting, gross. You know, I'm going to have like dog saliva with chicken all over, like, oh, <laughs> so I said, all right, but I didn't say that to him. Okay. I did not say, no, you're not bringing chicken into my basement. Um, and then having the dog chase after it. I just said, okay, where could you do it in the house that if the chicken got on the floor or if it made a mess, that it wouldn't have an impact as it would on our carpeted, nice basement, in our nice carpeted basement. And he was like, oh, well, I could do it in the kitchen. I was like, great. So now we're in the kitchen, but do I want dog stuff all over the kitchen, right? Do I want the dog climbing on the counters in the kitchen? So I was like, all right, where else could you do it? And he's like, well, I could do it outside. Bingo. Great. Why don't you build it outside? We'll create a little, you know, fence around it. And that way you can hop from one place to another. He can hop from one place to another. You can keep the chicken. If the chicken gets old, it'll probably be eaten by the deer in our backyard, you know, and, and you sort of work to make it work. So I didn't just shut down the idea. I didn't say no. I just worked with him to make it so that it was an appropriate thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. And he could still complete his idea. Yeah. And something that as, as like um, kids that sometimes frustrate us about our parents is that they, um, for example, they tell you um, no, but like they don't answer your question directly, but they come out like they come out with another question, mm -hmm. and then like when we were little, that frustrated me a lot. I was like, no, just give me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but now that like I'm learning about creative thinking, it is actually really important for little kids to, or for kids in general, for um, teenagers to think um, about the answer themselves. So like yeah. the process you were explaining with your with your um, kid is that they he was like coming up with the answers himself but you were just leading him so I think right. that's that's really um, an important thing that we understand now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think those are all the questions yeah we have for you <laughs> thank you so much, much. Thank my you pleasure so, so can I have, ask you a question of course yeah, of course so tell me why you started the creative escape podcast so 
what happened is that I have a friend who has a podcast and I didn't know that you could actually create a podcast like without a studio, without um, like a company to back you up. And then she was telling me all of her like process. Um, and I was like, I want to do a podcast, but I don't know what to do it about. And then I sat down with Maria and she was telling me, we were like discussing ideas. And it turns out that like a border, like a, a common theme that all of our ideas had is creativity. Like we were all passionate about, um, yeah, like creative industries, quote unquote, a creative, because now we know that all industries are creative, but yeah. also like um, having like a little escape from real life, which is maybe discussing a movie or discussing a book that we really like. So yeah, we decided to, to just sit down and have this space to talk. Ah, <laughs> oh, wonderful. Other people. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Thank for you. Being thank here. you for accepting our invitation. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed and that you had fun listening to this episode. I also wanted to tell you that we have social media accounts that you can follow us on. Um, our Twitter account is Creative Escape underscore P. Our Instagram is at Creative Escape Podcast. And you can also contact us through email at Creative Escape Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time.